Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof uh, Dental Practice Podcast. See, I almost did another podcast, Jenny. I had to, <laughs> I had to remember what we're doing here. Uh, today, I've got um, Dr. Jennifer Perna. You may know her as Yogi Dentist, one of my favorite people. Um, and she hit me up a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I'm getting a lot of information about uh, something going on in dentistry. Um, so that was the genesis of this. So Jenny, really excited to have you here. Uh, always excited to have you here. And fill the listeners in. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, I appreciate you having me on here as always. And I appreciate you taking the offer to podcast with me on this topic. Basically, it's something that I have experienced myself. I'm very passionate about myself. And I tend to get a lot of direct messages on Instagram about this topic. And the topic is, I hate dentistry. I hate my career, or I think I do. Um, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. Dentistry isn't what I thought it was going to be. I don't know if I picked the right profession. And these are just a few of some of the topics that I get. I get it a lot from new grads, but it's not just specific to new grads. It happens throughout careers. I've met people at the end of their careers ready to sell their practices that I'm afraid if they don't offload this practice that they're going to hurt themselves because they're so burnt out from the profession. And so it's something, like I said, I've experienced early in my career, and we can get into that. Um, and something that I consciously made a decision to try and overcome and find what can dentistry do for me? What am I looking for? And what are the avenues in which I can have this profession fulfill me and I can fulfill the profession? So I'm just very grateful to be talking about it and be able to talk to you about it because I know you have such a wonderful perspective and it's also a passion of yours. For sure. And, and it's also because I've suffered a lot as well. Um, you know, throughout my career, you know, I've been in dentistry for holy smokes, like 20, 24 years. So like I got into dentistry when you were three, Jenny. <laughs> Is that true? No. <laughs> no, I don't know. It sounds good though. Just let ten, it go. Maybe yeah, just, 10. It's fine. Just let these things go. So, and, and I've had so many iterations of my career and I've taken some big risks and I've felt unfulfilled and sad. And, um, and it really just pains me because um, I don't know if you listened to, I had a, we had a recent podcast with the guys from shared practices or one of the guys from shared practices and I asked them very point blank. I'm like, at a macro, what is the single largest issue facing dentistry? So in my head, I'm thinking depression, suicide, unfulfillment. I mean, we're, unfortunately we're leading the pack in a lot of those things. And it's really quite unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his perspective was same store sales growth. Um, that was the single largest thing that was affecting dentistry. And I think that um, we don't have an outlet and I'm, I'm proud that if, if this podcast can be the light for somebody to, and I've experienced that, you know, and, and with past listeners, they've come up to me and said like, this has helped me a lot. So just before we hit record, I said to I said to Jenny, like, listen, you know, we're gonna have you know potentially thousands of listeners on this. Some people are dealing with an acute crisis at the moment. They're like, oh my god, this is perfect timing. Thank God for this. And other people are like, you know, I'm pretty good right now. Everything's everything's kind of going okay. But you know, life can have a tendency to kick you in your ass. And when you have everything perfect, things come around, traumatic events and business events and stuff, and it can bring you down to your knees. And I think if we could just help, if, if this podcast reaches just one person, there's somebody out there that's feeling alone to know that even quote, and I'm using air quotes for those that are not listening, successful people like Jenny and I still have breakdowns, still have d- feelings of despair. 
Um, is this all I really wanted? Am I getting it? Am I satisfied? Am I doing the right thing? Did I choose the right thing? And I think a lot of it is just your, your mental state and you have almost like, yeah, there's a good, you know, good you and a bad you on either shoulder. And at any given moment, you can choose to feed one of those voices and, uh, things are, things are real. Think the struggle is, is, is going right now. And, and, you know, not only in dentistry, Jenny, but we were just talking before we hit record too. Depression rates, um, according to the article I was just reading, and again, we are not mental health professionals. We're just kind of dentists who are dealing with our own stuff. But depression prior to pandemic was 8.5%. And then recently, it was recorded at 32%. So to go from 8.5% of Americans saying they're feeling having depressed feelings to 33, it's not just a dentistry thing. Right. It's, a, it's a bigger issue. Right. And a lot of the people that, you know, we posed a question on Instagram with a lot of um, my followers and your followers to ask questions. And a lot of them are coming from graduates that graduated in 2020. And we were talking about this. It's just, it's right. You know, they graduated in the middle of a shutdown and I couldn't imagine being a new grad trying to find a job, you know, graduating with this enormous student debt, uh, trying to find a job and trying to navigate this career while a pandemic's going on. So, you know, I think a lot of dentists are facing different challenges from the new grad to, you know, a seasoned dentist as well. And it's a, it's a topic that we should talk about. For sure. And I think, so let's, let's jump right in. Let, let me, let me think about the causes. Oh, pardon me. Let me discuss with you the causes. What do you think is causing this? Like, give me some of the ideas that are, you think are causing this. Well, I think let's start at the new grad, right? So the new grad, there are a few things. Um, Enormous student student debt, we just talked about that. A lot of people, you know, you don't learn much about the real world of dentistry and dental school. So you don't know how to find a job. You don't know how to add value like to yourself as a practitioner to look as an appealing candidate. There's very little guidance and mentorship. A lot of people will say, I'm looking for that unicorn opportunity for a mentor, and I really think it's a shame that that has to be a unicorn. You know, we, we really, as dentists that are been in the profession, kind of need to take on new grads like under our wing in some capacity and help them navigate this uh, profession. I think a lot of new grads are thrown into corporate entities. Uh, there are going to be good corporations. There are going to be poorly run corporations. And I think with that, you know, if you're in a corporation that's maybe poorly run, and this goes for private practice too, that the expectation versus reality of dentistry just don't align. And it causes a lot of second guessing. Mm -hmm. I think it causes a lot of stress on the practitioner. You know, we don't learn how to lead a team in dental school. We don't know how to talk to patients. Grads are still trying to handle conflict. Uh, New grads are still trying to navigate being a dentist and practicing yeah, we're really dentistry. Poor, we're really poorly equipped. We're really Completely. poorly equipped. We I think really that's are. a good summation of everything no. that I kind of just listed off. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I was lucky enough to jump into practice right at the get with my dad. And, um, you know, he, he was able to, to guide me. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting in our practice environment, we have so many different doctors supporting each other. So it's really, uh, it's a nourishing environment. But the average person coming out that doesn't have either a father like I did or a supportive network. It's truly frustrating. And I read some of the comments and like dealing with patients and patients are upset. And there's one, one person was saying to you, you know, I saw that, that, that DM, it was like, Mm -hmm. 
they cut to, they thought they prepared too much off their crown and they mm-hmm. went on YouTube and that you ruined my teeth. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's nothing worse because what, what has us go into dentistry is we want to help people. Right. No one's like, I'm going to go into dentistry because I'm going to make a ton of money. It's like, you think about being a dentist and thinking about giving care to people. And then I have somebody, when you do your very best and have someone say, you ruined me, you harmed me, you damaged mm-hmm. me. It's so shocking and disturbing to your core because it's right. not who we are as dentists. Right. So I, I remember feeling those feelings and, and you have to actually fight your way out of those. You can't just be like, oh, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Like, that's absolutely not true. And that takes time. Like at this point, if someone said to me, like, if I did IPR on them, they came in like, you ruined my teeth. I would be so able to defend myself because right. I'm like, I've done 3000 cases and thousands, tens of thousands of spots of IPR. And there's no way I'm going to let you tell me that. But when you told me that the first time I did it, oh my God, that leveled me. I wouldn't be able to defend myself. Of course, because, you know, when you're starting out as a dentist, you're navigating the world of doing the right thing. And you don't have that full confidence that you're always (laughs) making the right decision. And the truth is, we, you know, and I think a lot of dentists were perfectionists. We want to do it absolutely perfectly. And if a patient comes back like that, it, it can dishearten you. And there's a really, really good quote that I love. And John Coyce has it at every single course. And it's a quote from Maya Angelou. And I think it fits in really nicely here. And it's do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And oh, I, think I that's love a, that. It's so good. It's oh my so God, good. It always hits you. Awesome. You know? And I just got goosebumps with that one. <laughs> Do the best you can until you know better. Yes. And then then when you know better, do better. Do better. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. You know what that's, no, it's that. And I just want to put a pin in that. You know what that is, is having grace, grace for yourself, Mm -hmm. grace for your situation. You know, there's a lot of negative dialogue and it crushes me when people disparage other dentists um, because that Mm -hmm. fuels a fire that consumes all of us. Uh, you know, you, you don't know what it's like. You can't judge a crown on 15 because that person may not have been able to open and, and you don't know what's going on with that day. And maybe the dentist is having a bad day. We've all done work. We're not proud of, and we redo it. Shit happens. Yes. But having, having grace is, is huge. I really do believe that. It is. I learned that lesson in residency. I remember I had a patient, I brought it to my attending and it was a filling. And I think it was just like a really deep amalgam filling. And there was just something wrong with it. I can't remember what, and I was judging, I was judging that filling and my attending pretty much, you know, schooled me and said, you weren't in there doing that. You didn't, that was a very hard thing. And they did a very good job for probably what was presented. And I will never forget that. That was six years ago. I will never forget that conversation. And I hold that to every single patient that comes into my office. If there's work that I don't think is perfect, I remind myself that I wasn't the dentist who did it. I didn't know the circumstances and there's no, yeah, you don't know how, you don't judge. know how presented. So, right. I mean, invariably it could have been the dentist that you're disparaging or thinking critically of, it could have been a redo of a crown. So right. the crown was prepped by somebody else. And it's just, it's really unfair. We have too much judgment in it. And what I, what I like to tell patients, and I just say this all the time, I'm like, listen, they're like, was this done? Well, I was like, listen, you asked 10 different dentists, you need 10 different opinions. I happen to like chocolate. This is vanilla. They're both ice cream. I have a different way of getting it done. Well, why do you have to modify it? Because I like chocolate. I like to do things a different way. We have, you know, Sarek and the prep needs to be different, but I will not say it. But I used to, Jenny, I used to, I didn't learn the lesson in residency. I learned the lesson, like you learned it early 
I learned it later. Yeah. I do it a lot. I just couldn't help myself. It was a way of actually making myself feel good. And you know, Tony Robbins always says, there's two ways to make yourself feel great. Be great or tear everyone great around you down. So it's like, you want to be the tallest building, you can build the tallest building or tear, right. tear the tallest building down. And at that point in my career, I was insecure, I suppose. And it was making me feel somehow better to put other people down. And now I know it just hurts everyone when you do that, including ourselves. I agree. And I think it's, you know, to go back to kind of supporting one another, especially because we're all facing challenges within the profession and to uplift one another and to have a community and and to not throw other dentists under the bus to make yourself look better because it really doesn't. It makes the profession look bad. And, therefore, and the patient won't like you either, by the way, when you do that, they're mad, they get mad at you. Right. When you throw shade, you look shitty. Yes. You it don't always- look like a good good person. But I do love that analogy about chocolate and vanilla ice cream. And I'm probably going to steal that now. Steal it. I mean, that's, it's not stealing. We're, we're actually giving this. I mean, this is the community that you're talking about is what we're trying to foster right now here. So um, whether you're alone or you're feeling bad, this is just stuff that we're all dealing with. Um, and it's just normal. It's just normal. You just, and I, I do believe that, you know, for the new grad, it's overwhelming. You've got COVID, you've got the pandemic, you've got, you know, all these different things that are going on. Um, and it's, it's harder because you don't have a lot of context. So for those of us that have gotten out before, we know there are better days and there are easier times. So, um, but the, like, uh, like one of my favorite books, the obstacle is the way through, you're going to get your butt kicked and you're going to dust it yourself off and you're going to get up and you're going to keep going on. And that's, I think what actually leads to the most amount of fulfillment. It's not those who have it easiest. It's those who've bounce, who fall and bounce back up. Absolutely. And life is going to throw things at you. It's just the nature of life. Life, Things are easy when it's easy. And it's always going to be easy when it's easy. And you're going to think you have everything put together. But when things start to occur, pandemics happen, staffing issues happen, upset patients happen, you have to find tools in which to navigate those situations that maintains your mental health, that you know, you don't let it beat you down. And, And it's hard and it's a practice. And you know, I don't have all the answers. Obviously, well, we all the, just navigate. The Stoics, but... Yeah, the Stoics did a lot of this stuff. I always talk about with Peter in the podcast that these are these these problems that we're talking about today are the problems of of humans, and they've been around for thousands of years. And when you read the Stoics, you know the Stoic philosophy, Seneca, you know those guys. Um, it was really about understanding that you you have an emotional side to you. And when, when you get triggered emotionally, you can't think clearly. Mm-hmm. So we're all sitting here. Things are okay for the moment, but things happen. And then you lose your cool and you have to regain your composure and you have to rebalance your mental state. And that's just totally normal. I think most people suffer greatest because they actually feel they're, su- they're the only one suffering. So they look mm-hmm. at Jenny, they look at, they look at you or they look at me. And you and I try to do, we do a really good job of making our lives look great with our social media. Oh, for sure. You know, we, this is, <laughs> we, we, we try to do that. It's just in our, in our nature. We show the good stuff. We all try to show everything, but you're, people are sitting there thinking like, oh my God, Jenny's got it all. Look at how, you know, she's got everything figured out and, and they don't get to. She doesn't. I, I know she doesn't because <laughs> she's human. <laughs> or Craig, Craig's got it all figured out. I want what he has. Look at that thing. It's amazing. He's got, you know, Tony Robbins is patient. Amazing. And, and they suffer because like, he's got it easy. And although I love my life and I'm super fulfilled, knock on wood, I don't have it easy. And the right. reason why I think I love my life so much is because it is in direct proportion to the amount of ass kicking I've had, right. like from employees suing me to like three 
two doctors quitting on the same day. I mean, I've had like some really, really rough days. You know, my son being airlifted out of, uh, you know, last summer with a ruptured spleen and I'm on a meta. I mean, life is not always going to be easy, but it's the suffering and the, the down moments that expand your ability to feel. And I think that we, we don't want to feel anymore. We believe that suffering, any form of suffering is cruel and unusual. And I think when you, when you go through bad times, you're, exper- you're, you're expanding the, your, sense of, your senses to feel. Like I've talked about that. I think I may have even talked about it with you. It's like you think of like you're, you have a, a, a pipe uh, and your, your emotions have to fit in a pipe. And imagine if your pipe has to be stretched like wider the, the, to, a, to a tunnel. So like the, the negative emotions can actually stretch you. And when the positive times come, you actually feel more positive emotion as well. So I think what we're doing as a society is when we suffer, we're running off and we're, you know, a lot of people are taking a lot of meds and the meds may be useful. And I can't speak to the scientific nature of the meds and what they do for, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I do know they modulate the suffering. They modulate the downside. But if you modulate the downside, you modulate the upside. So you just feel less. And I think we're meant to reel me back in, Jenny. I'm off. I'm I'm all alone here. (laughs) No, I love when you go off on your tangents too, because every time I speak to you, I just learn more and more and I, it's very insightful, but I've, I completely agree. I look back at my life and yes, what I show on social media, I try to show a lot of good. That doesn't mean that I don't go through things, but I also don't want to use my platform to complain about my life on a day to day, you know? So I, I think that social media can have a huge effect on, on people's mental state as well. Um, but when I look back at my life and, and the challenges I face, those are the moments in which I'm most proud of. I'm proud of, you know, who I came out on the other side as I'm proud of the determination and the strength that I was able to show. And I'm, I'm also proud of the vulnerability and the weakness within all those moments. And like you said, it gives you the capacity to feel and be human and to realize that, we're all going to face challenges. We're all going to have moments of complete despair. Um, You know, to get a little personal, Vince and I did a little bit of a fertility thing last um, fall and I I won't go into it, but it was something that I was on the couch bawling my eyes out at one point. And I, I didn't show that on social and I think I'm starting to get ready to be able to talk about it more, but good for you. I think that, you know, and, and it was all proactive to, to be, to be clear, but, I know, but it's super charged, Jenny, it's hard. The, whole, the whole thing. Cause I have a lot of, you know, women in my life with, you know, 50 female employees and all that. And, and the, the fertility thing I've come to appreciate how charged that is. Because right. from a, from a man's perspective, it's like okay, well, there's a process, and for a woman, it's like it is so charged, and it, there's so much suffering around that, and shame, yeah. you know. And um, I, I think that you know we're going to touch on something else, which is I think which is shame. I think because yeah. there's I think shame is actually probably something that's causing this because people are coming out of school, they're looking at Instagram, they're seeing what other people can do and what they're what they're up to, and they're like, I'm not doing that. And, and rather than say like, well, it's not, you know, I'm just learning. They, they don't give the grace for themselves and they feel that they're not good enough. So the difference right. between guilt and shame is like guilt is like you feel bad about a, a behavior that you exhibited and you make a difference. Shame is you actually feel bad about yourself. 
So it's like, I made a mistake versus I am a mistake. Right. So I think that the people saying to you and your, your chats, like, I think I made the wrong decision. I'm right. worried about dentistry. They're actually feeling shame. Like I fucked, you know, I fucked up. Yeah. Basically. No. And I fully agree. And I think there is a lot of shame that surrounds a lot of different circumstances in our lives. And when you speak to like social media, everyone is really trying to put their best light out there. You know, very rarely are you going to see you know, someone posts a veneer case, right? Well, you're not going to see how many times they sent that case back to the lab to get it perfect. They're not telling you that. And and then they're not telling you the, the amount of hours spent practicing to obtain these skills that they now can post on social media. And or, I think the fact, can- or Jenny, one more thing, or the fact that you and I look at that social media post and it's like literally perfect, perfect results, but yeah. they're not posting that the patient is actually unhappy with it. Right. The patient wanted four incisors that were completely square and flat across, like, you know, right. like something unrealistic and ugly. Yeah. Our nightmare. <laughs> like, oh my God, there's like, there's lines in my teeth. It's not all one color. I wanted my teeth like the porcelain toilet bowl. So right. we're not even posting that the patients aren't even happy sometimes with our project right. work. Exactly. And so, and you know, new grads see it, people in the middle of their careers see it and it can be really disheartening. And I think you're absolutely right that it's centered around the emotion of shame and I always, you know, anytime I get these DMs, I always try to direct like, especially new grads back to the fact that like this didn't happen overnight and you just have to keep growing and growing within the profession to be able to obtain these results and don't allow it to bring you down, but rather allow it to inspire you. Look at the, you know, look at the case of someone that you admire and ask them, what were some of the courses you took? How many hours did you spend practicing this? How many hours have you been in practice? What are some of the biggest failures you've had that you've learned from? Those are the questions to ask, not, oh my God, I'll never be like that. Or I don't know how they're so good. Why am I not that good? Yeah, we get rewarded in public for the things we practice intensely for in private. No one, no one saw Michael, no one sees Michael Jordan going at 6 a.m. just doing free throws and free throws. They just see the game. Right. Man, look at that. I mean, the guy was kicked off his high school basketball team. You know, so no one sees all that. They just see, they just see the showtime. Okay, stop what you're doing. The Bulletproof Summit is coming at you June 3rd and 4th at the Grand Hyatt in Nashville. The Grand Hyatt is located in the Gulch, which as most of you know, is the best area of Nash Vegas. So we'll be featuring new, never done before Bulletproof tracks for doctors, team, and hygienists. There's going to be some VIP tickets available, but book by May 2nd and you can receive some group discounts for your team. Prices will also go up for the last 50 tickets, and tickets are already half gone for this event, and it will sell out like all previous years. This is the biggest no-brainer in dentistry. If you want to elevate yourself, your team, and your practice, check it out, bulletproofsummit.com. We'll see you there. By the way, I want to add something just kind of tactical for people when they're being challenged by a patient. So when, when a patient is challenging you or they're thinking that you've done them wrong, People, human beings tend to back down when you use, when you use the phrases like my commitment to dentistry or my commitment to you and restating like almost like a, your, your purpose. So someone's like, you know, you took off the wrong amount of tooth or, you know, it was this one that was hurting you, you know, that one, you know, that well, the things that they, or you mm-hmm. should have known I needed a root canal beforehand mm-hmm. just to, you know, kind of stand up. Like, don't look at those points as a time to retreat. Because what a patient's looking for is they've lost trust in you and they're scared. And what they really need is for you to step into your dominance or your authority 
And I'm not saying like, who the hell are you? It's not that, but it's also yeah. like, Hey, Mrs. Jones, I, I hear what you're saying. My commitment is to the, to do the very best dentistry on every single patient. I treat every single patient. If you were there in my own family, I'm really sorry the way you feel the, uh, that you feel this way, but I'm, I'm not going to ever waver from my commitment. My commitment is to always do the very best thing for the patient. And if you were my spouse or my child, I would have done exactly what I did, you know, right. and I wouldn't change a thing. And that's, that's, you know, you're not really you're not telling them to, you know, screw off, but you're getting a little bit more dominant. So when someone wants to challenge you, it's always an opportunity to turn something around to something more positive. And right. I think a lot of the conflicts that have happened, I've been able to navigate because I didn't really shy away from them. Mm-hmm. And even I think it, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. No, it's fine. I was gonna say, I think it comes down to a lot of confidence. Uh, oftentimes, you know, if you're not confident within your skill or how you're approaching a case or anything, patients can read that. But they are you confident? See- yeah, I understand that. But this is a different thing. It's a confident in your, your motivation. It's a confident right. in what you stand for. So mm-hmm. you're not saying, hey, Mrs. Jones, I've only prepped six crowns. I'm really sorry. You know, because that's different. No, of course. It's, it's, it's Mrs. Jones. Um, I, I became a dentist to treat every single person with the most care and sincerity I possibly can. And that's what I did with you. And I'm sorry you feel this way, but like when you kind of say like that, your commitment, your life's work, something more authoritative, it can it can actually resolve a lot of things rather than shy away. And when someone's attacking you, you kind of shy, you, you know, the natural is to shy away. I tell my entire team when someone's upset, get excited because when they vent and you're still kind with them, they have a little bit of guilt. They feel bad. Mm -hmm. So the person that's ranting online and all that stuff someone's texted you that I would, I would leave them a public message like, Hey, John, really sorry that you feel this way. My commitment is to take the very best care of every single patient. Please email me anytime you want, call me or email me. I would love the opportunity to make this right for you. And even if, if he's completely a DB and he wants to go crazy and he responds to that, like, go F yourself. He's the one who looks terrible. So you kind of, you're writing it for the public opinion as well. Right. And I think it's important to remember that we're not always going to be the provider for every single person in this world. And that's fine. You know, and I think when you first graduate, you want to, you have to be the, the person for everyone. <laughs> and the truth is you're, that's the nature it's of hard life, to right? shake him, Jenny. It's hard it's to true. shake him. I've had I mean, people, I'm true. just like, before I start, I'm like, listen, this is not going to go well. I really don't think you should use me as your provider. No, but I really want you. I'm like, I know, but it's really not going to go well. And it didn't go well. And then the whole time I'm trying not to get them. I raised the fees. I've done everything I possibly could. And they still go. And they still. Because it's like, how do you tell like at a certain point and they really, really, it's really hard. I've literally told people like, I don't think you're, you're making a bad decision. I'm not going to be able to make you happy. Well, why do you say that about me? I'm like, cause I can just tell by the questions you're asking and the things you're saying, you're going to not be happy with me. Right. And it's, it's an important skill to learn. Cause I think too, oftentimes you want to do, you, you know, you're excited to do a case or something, you know, yeah. the case presents and you're just yeah. so excited to dive in and, and to <laughs> do this case. And you didn't realize the personality attached to the case. And cosmetic that, dentistry, by the way, is yes. not about the dentistry. No, not at all. It's about the psychology. It's the psychology. <laughs> so like regular dentistry is like, Hey, Ms. Jones, you got decay. We got to fix this. You need to fix it. If you don't fix it, root canal, crown, implant, blah, blah, blah. Let's roll. Cosmetic dentistry is like, here's your life now. Come follow me on this journey of making your life better, feeling more confident, feeling better about yourself. Bullshit. You fix the teeth. You don't fix the brain. No, no. And it's, 
it's a, it's something to, you know, whenever I have a patient and this is a little tip, if there's ever a patient that is coming in for a cosmetic consult and I'm a little concerned about their expectations versus what we're going to be able to deliver, uh, I will do like a motivational mock-up that I'll put into their mouth and let them look at it. And I've had patients where they, you know, they have those uh, the mock-up in and they are very, very analytical and they're worried and they're concerned. And I'll have an honest conversation of, are you ready for this? Are yeah. you ready for this change mentally? Because if you're not ready for this today, then I don't suggest we proceed. We can probably proceed in the future, but you have to be psychologically ready for a life change to yeah. be able to proceed within this dentistry. And then also painting a, a, a very realistic picture around the healing time, new teeth, mm-hmm. new musculature, new phonetics, like just telling people, I love this from Dr. Lizelle in my office. She says, don't do me a favor. Don't love this or hate it for a couple of weeks. Suspend yeah. judgment because it's almost like when you install like your, your refrigerator and the delivery guys are about to leave, you have to sign off on that shit. If the refrigerator is in the wrong spot, you didn't like it, you're, you're done. And I think patients feel that way with dentistry. The minute it goes in, it's like in the chair. It's like, hey, just don't love it or don't hate it. I'm here for you. If you think number 10 is too long or number seven or 10, we can always redo it later. Just don't, don't, you you have to heal. You have to learn how to re-speak and your phonetics, your musculature. We added three millimeters of tooth structure, open your bite. So I think that like not allowing them to kind of marinate with it, not feel so rushed to, to, to like it or hate it is really, really a powerful tool. And also yeah. figure out their motivation, why clear aligner tips, since you gave a tip, when you ask patients what they don't like about their smile and, and, or what they're looking for, obviously you see their crowded teeth or you see what's going on. You have the reasons that you want to fix their smile, but find out what it is that they want. So they may actually say like, I just don't like when I turn to the side, you see how my lip kind of curls in. I'm like, yeah, I mean, not really, but tell me more. Well, I just know that when you put my teeth in the right position, my lips will be fuller. I'm like, okay, I'm really glad you said that because I can't promise you that at all. Right. Yeah. I I appreciate that you think it, but if that's the primary motivation for you wanting to straighten your teeth, let's not do it because there's other reasons because your teeth are crowded. You can't clean them and they're wearing and blah, 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 blah. But if that's the primary reason, let's not do it. And like, no, 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 it's not the primary reason. You know, I just hoping I'm like, let's not hope on that. Let's not plan on that. Let's also treatment plan some lip filler for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or it's like, but, I want to do my veneers because I know I'll get, I'll get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Right. right. Away. Yeah, yeah, let's not plan on that. <laughs> Don't put that pressure on me. Exactly. <laughs> but I think these are really good tips for just managing uh, patient expectations. And I think that that leads to better relationships of trust with patients and hopefully less and less and less complaints or concerns from patients as you continue to practice. So I'm, I'm glad that we went over some of those tips. Of course, of course. So something that I noticed, you know, some people writing in as well, are people, you know, to get off of the new grad topic is more people that are seasoned within their careers right now, but they're facing challenges with the team, especially during the pandemic and being able to hire people, being able to keep valuable team members. And, you know, I think this is a a avenue in which you obviously have a lot of expertise and especially with like the mastermind and hearing the challenges that those individuals face and um, maybe some tips of navigating just, you know, working with a team and, and having to navigate a team dynamic during this time. So I have a, I have a tip and if I had to distill it down to one tip, 
because I think there's there's many, but there's just one thing that you could possibly do that could shift everything. And I've seen it happen so many times. Um, we, when we get upset, we go inward. When we don't get appreciation, we go inward. When we don't get the love we want, we go inward. The hack in life is you get what you give. So the team is people that work for, for in our practices, especially, you know, assistants and those types of wage earners, those people are under extreme stress when gas, you know, fortunately for me, uh, at my situation in life, if gas goes from $2 to $5, it doesn't affect my life. I'm blessed. It doesn't affect me. I don't even care, but, and I'm not trying to be cavalier, but what I'm saying is that we have to get into the perspective of what's happening for those people um, that are that, that 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 work with our practices um, and the way in which you can make your team great is by just appreciating them it's the largest portion of our expense line of any pnl if you're doing it right it's around 25 to 30% your team your 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 support your support team your team wages and all that and what i've learned is that when people are feeling most dark and i talk to a lot of dental business owners um, I tell them to start appreciating those people. When you trade your expectations for appreciation, your life changes immediately. We're expecting too much from people. We're not appreciating them. And that's something you can literally, if you're listening to this on a weekday, you can literally stop this recording and go around to two or three people. And maybe you're not, maybe it's not a work day. You can just send a text message to one or two of your people. Hey, Janet, really appreciate, you know, that you stayed late the other day. It means a lot. I'm not great at appreciating, you know, or maybe I'm not as good as I should be about it saying how I feel, but I just want to let you know how I appreciate you. Your team will light up. People light up. When I feel depressed or upset, I find all the people I love and appreciate. I start texting them like crazy. I just Mm -hmm. do that with people. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point and we have to look at our team that we're working with them and they're not working for us. Right. And so we are in the nature of the name, we are a team. And I think as dentists too, we often have this uh, mentality because when we go in and we see a patient, we are looking for problems and we're looking for solutions. So often with the team, if things are maybe not going the way that we anticipate, we have problems and then we'll create solutions. But we also need to remember to appreciate all the things that they do do within the practice. And is it maybe to the level you want them to do it? Yeah, I'm sure there's some things that your team is doing excellent. And it's, you need to recognize that exactly what you were saying. Um, and obviously, make them feel appreciated. I think that's, yeah, such a good I, and, and it's, it's a tool I learned from the greats. And um, even the people that are the greatest that I that I love the most and have the most amount of respect, my mentors do that. You see these people and I, I've, I've lived, you know, now, you know, I've been, I'm 50. And I see successful people and what I call successful people, people who are fulfilled, present and happy, you know, and, and I see people who are, they have recurring themes in their life and they're just able to appreciate things. They're able to appreciate the small things in life. One of my buddies, John, he's a very, very wealthy man. Um, he has all the, all the things that a wealthy person would have, you know, big yachts and jets and all that stuff. And I, I, uh, I have a, the ranch I'm always talking about. I've told you about it before. And, and I have a trailer there, a very small, small trailer. 
it's actually funny because there's people that live next door to me that were, it's a homeowners association. And they were talking about the person, they were meaning me, that lives in the substandard living conditions next door to us. And they were referring to me because I guess it's a trailer or whatever. And my buddy, John, winds up looking um, in my trailer the other day. And he looks to the left, and he looks to the right. He's like, you know, Craig, I could actually live here. And he meant it. So he has all this great stuff in his life, but he still appreciates the simple things. And I always say this, and I got it from, from Tony himself, the science of achievement, and we're scientists at, at heart. We, we know how to do the crown prep, the five steps to this, the four steps to bonding this, the, you know, the diagnostic criteria and the way things go. But life is a fulfillment, it is an art form, uh, and fulfillment is an art form rather. And it's really incumbent upon us to figure out what makes us happiest, really do a deep dive on it, don't hijack other people's beliefs, and really find out what it is that makes us happy. You can't hijack someone else's vision. You can't go to some weekend summit and then realize you need to open up seven or 10 practices or learn the seven minute endo or go through COIS. You got to figure out what makes you tick. And once you start living authentically and what you want, you'll provide, it'll provide you with the fulfillment that you want and you will go through tough times and it will, you will get your ass kicked, but you'll wind up being fulfilled. When I was putting together, you know, kind of some of my thoughts for the podcast, I thought about what, you know, what advice would I give, you know, in these circumstances? And my number one advice is actually from you when you always say know thyself and you have to really dig deep to know what you want to then know how to go and get it. And so if you try to hijack someone else's vision for their life and their career within dentistry, oftentimes, even if you achieve that, you're not going to have the fulfillment that you thought you would have. And so I think that's a, an excellent, excellent point. And I encourage everyone to really dig deep and it's hard. It's hard to really know what you want. You don't know what you don't know. So you know, figure out what do you want professionally? What do you want personally? How do you want to be fulfilled financially? And then how does dentistry do that for you? Yeah. If you and- don't know what you want, you'll never get there. Absolutely. You'll never get there. And there's so much competition. I mean, I think that's why Hollywood is really filled with a lot of people who are deeply, deeply unhappy because, you know, think about like being a child and acting and then always competing to try to get a part, to try to get a role. You don't even, you're, you're, you're literally got blinders on, you're running towards a goal and you never have a chance to cross, to examine it. All of a sudden you get there and you're like, oh shit, I'm famous. Like I've made everything I wanted. This is it. And now all these people love you and they don't even know you. And you never really thought about what it is you really wanted. You wanted love and connection, probably like most Mm -hmm. humans do, but you wound up getting fame. And that's a really crappy substitute for love and connection because it's really, they like you for the wrong reasons. Um, And that, so I think it's really just incumbent upon each person to figure out what makes them tick. And, you know, I keep saying about 50 that I'm 50 because, you know, even at 42 and 43, I was not as fulfilled. Like the, there's a lot of stories amongst my office of like, oh, I remember, I've heard how you used to be, Dr. C. They call me Dr. C. I've heard how you used to be. And I can't believe you were like that. So for those that are, you know, 28, 32, 35, or even, you know, 50 years old themselves, just give yourself a little bit of grace. Know that we're all in our own timeline. I, I would, I just had to go through a lot of stuff. I had to, you know, mellow out and see what I was doing, see the damage I was causing. Um, and and I'm, I don't regret any of it. I don't, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't wish I, I went through the path I was supposed to go. You know, I think, you know, another thing is like life happens for you and not just to you, you get exactly what you need. 
So if you're, if you're upset about your family and your mom and dad weren't the way they're supposed to be, and I wish I had Jenny Perna's mom, cause she was so, so great. You got she the mom. You, she was. <laughs> I do have to give her a shout out. <laughs> right. But you got the, you got the mom and dad you needed. If you had the perfect parents, you wouldn't be exactly who you are. And you said something earlier in our podcast that you're really proud of who you are. That pride comes from being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses and giving yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You can't sit here and just say like, you know, my life is bad because of this stuff or that stuff. You have to realize it's all for your development, all for your growth. You know, the wind blows hard on the, on the young tree and the roots grow deep and the, you know, and everything shapes you, everything in life shapes you. So whatever you're going through, if you're going through something right now, if you're really feeling like you can't see your way through it, you don't have to have the answers right now. Just know that it's for your greater development. Just there's always a silver lining. Everything in my life that I was sure was the wrong thing for me wound up to be, oh my God, that was actually really good. And right. I had, it was crazy. It's like I, I had a bank that when I built, uh, built this building, I, I heard a rumor that the bank was going to be sold. And it was a very risky thing for me to build this building. I borrowed millions and millions of dollars and the banks literally all rejected me, but one said yes. And I, I, I was very scared because I knew I was way over my head. And I said, the bank's going to get sold. And they said, no, no, we're not going to get sold. Don't worry. Because my fear was if the bank got sold, I wouldn't have a relationship if I ran out of money and they wouldn't know me. They wouldn't be able to like sell myself to like, give me more money. Mm-hmm. And long story short, the bank did get sold. And I was really nervous because I did run out of money. But in the fray of the bank being sold, which I thought was a terrible thing for me, they lost my paperwork. And instead of the money being due on like January 1st, I got like a loan from God because I got shuffled around with the transition of the new bank and I didn't have to owe that money for months and months and months. So the thing that I didn't want to happen happened. I suffered. I couldn't sleep. I was upset only to find out that it was the very thing that got me to where I am today. Because without that, I wouldn't have probably had the float and I would have gone into business because of cash flow. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that every instance that challenges us gives us an opportunity to grow. And, you know, you brought up having a different mindset around it and and looking at those challenges as opportunities. And I know it's a book that you guys have talked about, but Mindset by Carol Dweck is fantastic of having that growth mindset and not a fixed mindset when you're navigating life and looking at perspectives. And I... I just reiterate the fact that I am grateful for all of those challenges from, you know, my very first job was something I I would cry about. I would go home, I'd pour myself a glass of wine and I would cry because I was so concerned that I put myself in so much debt for a career that wasn't going to fulfill me. Um, and there's a really funny meme and I think it's really good for, for undergrads. And it says, what's the strangest thing you've done for cash? And it's, Mm -hmm. I took out a loan to go to school so I could get a job to pay off my student loans. (laughs) And I think that's how I felt. I felt that when I had first graduated and it's a lot of stress. And, but now I look back at that opportunity that I had, and I look at everything that it taught me about this profession. Well, it also gave you freedom too, Jenny, because no one can, no one can repossess that knowledge. You could literally look at the United States and say the coolest possible town there and say, I can make a living there. Who can say that? 
No, Who and that's say, the truth. So when Dentistry I did this big building, it. yeah, I, when I did this big building and I said, okay, what's my plan B? Cause it was really close, Jenny. I was really mm-hmm. close to failure, really close. Like uh, when, when the building, I had like a $35,000 payment coming. I had a $40,000 payroll. I had no money that mm-hmm. I had a, like a, a, a yellow piece of paper with all my rich friends. I was going to borrow like 10 and 15 and 20 grand from mm-hmm. it was really, really hectic. But I said, okay, the worst case scenario, I remember going to Carmel, California, and I loved it. I'm like, you know what? If it all blows up, I'll just like work with somebody there. You know, got to be one or two chair, you know, one or two chair practice and I could be fine. Mm-hmm. So that security, what you've, what you've bought for yourself, those that are newly graduated and feeling oppressed by your student debt, you've bought the freedom and the ability to work anywhere, right? anywhere. And dentistry, and this is something that I always try to speak on. Dentistry has so many avenues to quote unquote success, and you can take a multitude of avenues. And that's the beauty of this profession. And so if you're finding yourself stuck within a, uh, an environment or a, a position or a situation that's not fulfilling you, you can change it and you can cultivate what you want. And that can look like anything to you. Yeah. You you just have to be imaginative. I was working with one of our masterminders and he's like um, talking about, he does a lot of phrenectomies on babies and um, he's looking at his new patient numbers and phrenectomies on these babies. I'm like, why he's like talking about these, doing a video. He's going to start video advertising. I'm like, Mm -hmm. so you are going to do more of this. I'm like, that's awesome. What do you love about it? Oh, well, I don't like it. I'm like, well, why do you do it? Well, because when I first started, I was the only guy who did it. And the moms like really wanted me to do it. I'm like, so why are you continuing to do it? And he had no answer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's a, a Thoreau quote. It says the unexamined life is not worth living. You, he doesn't know himself. He's mm-hmm. just doing the same thing he's always done. And someone, when you, I always ask why, like, I'll, I'll tell people like, what do you think of my practice? I'm like, listen, I can't tell you that because your life might drive me crazy. And I'd want to fix everything about your life to suit my bias and my needs. But my, your life is not for me. Your life is for you. So I'll ask, what do you think about that? And then like, well, blah, blah, blah. And they'll start opening up. I'm like, perfect. Now we're getting somewhere. Right. But it's, I think in dentistry, one of the largest problems outside of, you know, the other stuff we were talking about is that there's a lot of consultants or, you know, using air quotes for that, that will actually tell you exactly what you need to do, Jenny. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like when we've talked, I'm like, Hey, you got to do what makes you happy. And we've done like the culture index and stuff like that. Like just to point out your strengths and all that, but it's just important to, to make your life suit you and no one else. Right. And I think, you know, to speak on the culture index and it kind of shines light in this. There's some people that are comfortable being uncomfortable and there's some people that do not want to be uncomfortable and to make any life shift, you have to get uncomfortable. And so some people will stay in a toxic space or a space they know is not fulfilling them because it's comfortable. It's regular. They know what to expect. And I fell victim to that within one of my, my, uh, associateships as well. I was, stuck because it was just, I knew it It was quote easy. It was never easy, but it was easy just to continue to do the same thing. Cause I knew what to expect. And then when you get on the other side of it, you realize you probably should have left sooner. You know, you yeah. probably should have redirected sooner and really figured out what you wanted sooner so that you can then therefore cultivate it. But yeah, I, I, I don't think, I think looking backwards like that, and I think that's an important thing to talk about as well, Jenny too. It's like, you, you know, change doesn't, take time, you change in a second. It's just the realization that you have to take 
make a change could take years. So like once you decide like in a bad relationship, like I'm done, this is it, this is the moment. Mm-hmm. It, it did happen in a moment, like literally you got a call and like, you know, screw this, I'm out of this. But mm-hmm. it takes time to realize it's going to change. And, and I've made, I, I've looked at that too. Like I suffered a little longer. I stayed stuck a little longer. Just took me that much longer to realize I freaking hated what I, where I was at. So yeah. I think that, you know, you shouldn't have made that change sooner. Cause now I think that's a good point. I think, you know, it, it, it took time to get to the point. And I agree with right. that. And because it's not you're a caring a person who thing. pours your heart into things right. and you're loyal. And there was Cindy, the hygienist, and she was great. So there was good things about it. It was a toxic situation, but there was other things. Your job wasn't done. So right. when you finally, you know, it's like kind of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, the alcoholics, mm-hmm. like they drink and drink and drink. And then one day like done, I'm done. But I don't think you should look back at that. Like, I just want people with, with my own experience through my forties, I could have had a little bit easier if I didn't overindulge in suffering. I was Mm -hmm. oftentimes walking around, even with all the blessings of my life, like poor me, I can't believe this. No one cares, blah, blah, blah. And that is caustic. It's toxic and caustic. And it cost me a lot of um, good people and bad and things around me. And I started realizing that, you know, I have to figure out a way every day to appreciate something. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's important for me. I agree. And, you know, speaking on that, I think it's good to find tools in which outside of dentistry give you good mental strength. And that's going to look different for every single person. For me, it's very much exercise and working out and journaling and meditating and doing yoga. And those are my anchors. You know, that's what keeps me mentally strong. Uh, For someone else, it might be drawing, it might be speaking to a therapist, getting massages, you know, whatever it looks like. But Again, knowing myself of how are you going to stay mentally strong as a human in the instances in which you're needing to be really, really strong. Well, I I also think I appreciate your, your, your being graceful with that, but there is an absolute truth to one thing you said, and it's not dependent on the person. It's that you cannot be mentally strong when you're physically weak. You can't. Um, dentistry is really hard on your body. Um, the positions we're in the static movements, mm-hmm. it, you have to, if you want to be successful in dentistry, you have to exercise, you have to strength train, you have to do something. And by the way, I'm not talking about what you do and all your, the iron molar and, you know, <laughs> your, you, you know, that level, but go for a walk, get right. out, like, like listen to this podcast and go walk the, mm-hmm. just walking. But you, you know, I have so many people in my life that are overweight and they're literally coming to me and I, I'm biting my tongue because they're like, hey, I've gone to three doctors. They can't figure out what's wrong with me. They've done tons of tasks. They can't figure my knees are hurting. You know, I, I just get tired all the time. I'm like, you're walking around with a hundred. I don't say this, mm-hmm. but you have a hundred pound. You have another human on your back. You're fit as hell, Jenny. But if I if I had Vince on your back all day, every day, mm-hmm. your body, your knees, your body will break down. Absolutely. And I think you cannot, I, I hate my workouts. I hate going in every day on the way in. I'm like, I want it. This is the day I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do it. I'm quitting today every single day. But mm-hmm. the days I work out, I have better days. I'm right. more mentally acute. I'm more positive. I have better energy. So that's not just, I appreciate your being kind about that. But that's not just what does that work for you? You must work out. You must do something physical every day or at least four or five days a week. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm very passionate about that. That is, like I said, it's an anchor. You're being soft though. You're like, I could work for you drawing. Yeah. Drawing's not going to get your body in a space where it can be better. 
Well, I think you, I mean, you bring up a very good point that dentistry is very taxing on our bodies and we can't ignore that. And so having mobility and being able to stay physically strong will help with the day-to-day in dentistry. And I, I mean, I fully agree. I think working out has been one of the absolute best things that I've incorporated in my life. I'm, I say I'm lucky in a sense because I was always active. So it was always part of my life. So when I get asked, like, how You're do you lucky. find time? I, I think to myself, how do I not find time? Well, you're either, I tell my trainer, he should, I want him to coin this. Maybe you could coin it. It's either you're going to rehab or you're going to prehab. So people will get like, I I know that one of the reasons why like APA works out so much is he had a really bad back. So he actually went through and had it the other way. And that's what typically happens in life. Something gets taken away from you and then you appreciate it. So, you know, for those, for, for those that have been injured before, you start to appreciate because really when you're rehabbing, you're just doing strength training. Right. So you might as well prehab and not have to get injured. Right. And to a point that you made, you know, I don't think that we ever go into a workout and we leave it and we're like, man, wish I didn't do that. That Yeah. But how do you you feel when you go in? Are you excited to go in? You probably one of those people that are like, love it. I freaking hate it. It's some days I'm like, I can't wait to get in the gym. Let's live in the gym. Let's just not leave the gym. I don't think I've ever felt that way. And then some days I'm like, you can't get me in there. I will not go in there. And it's in my garage. So I really shouldn't have an excuse. Yeah. If I had a gym in my garage, I would never use it. I literally have to pay someone to drag me. you know, there, that's a great tip. If you, you know, if you're the person that doesn't want to work out, pay someone to do it, get someone to make you accountable to do it. When you show up, I'm like 45 minutes left, 44 minutes left, 43 minutes left. Are we done? Are we done? And then I have to like, go back and thank my trainer. Like, Hey, listen, I know I'm a pain in the ass. Thank you for pushing me through it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's great. And I will always support and advocate that people continue to to strengthen their bodies. And I think even going for a walk, like you said, is a fantastic way to start. And you feel good. You feel good after a workout, your body feels good. Your mental state feels good. And you'll be less depressed. You're, Mm -hmm. you will, you will find a way. So if you're also that person, that's like, I've tried everything. I can't get in a good state. Have you tried exercising? Mm -hmm. If you're not exercising, do it. You got to do it. I mean, I really appreciate the drawing comment. You can draw and exercise, but you got to get your body moving. It's the, it's the oldest secret ever. Truly. And, and, you know, we all know this, it's natural endorphins. You're getting pumped is, with endorphins. It is. It is. And I, I have a rule that I always try to stick by and it's hard sometimes, but I really try to disconnect from any, uh, social media during workouts or answering texts or emails or anything like that. Uh, I'll listen to podcasts on my phone or, or music, you know, so I will have my phone with me, but I really try not, I try to disconnect a little bit and really just focus on myself. And I think that's a beautiful practice too, to, to prioritize yourself at times. That's awesome. I want to tell you one, like a story about the sending out recognition that we were talking about just a moment ago. So one of our masterminders, um, really good guy, super successful guy in Texas, like making lots of money, great leader, really good guy, feeling unfulfilled and burnt out, probably like 45. Like you, most people would look at him like, damn, he's got everything, got a young, young children, everything's going really, really right. But he's kind of losing some of his, his, um, his passion, getting a little lost and and I was working with him. I said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to start reaching out and just appreciating people. I want you to do three a day, text me when they're done, blah, 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 blah. And so he did one, he screenshot it to me, he texted somebody and the person wrote back 
And it's like, man, you have no idea how important. He just said, listen, I'm just kind of on a gratitude kick and just want to know that I appreciate, you know, I'm thinking about all the people that I'm appreciative and you good, sir, are one of them. Guy writes back, man, you have no idea how timely this was. I'm literally in my bath, uh, in my kitchen, crying like a schoolgirl because I just lost, you know, Clark's, fr- you know, someone just died. And it was just like, a, it was crazy that that happened. And so it, it was this, and I, I wrote back, I mean, not to get spiritual here, but I wrote back to the guy. I'm like, to me, that's God. Like that, that's the, that's some sort of universal energy that connects all of us. And that's what you're experiencing right there. Uh, the very next day. So this person's been doing three a day and he was doing it every day. The very next day I had a meeting with my office manager, Erica, and Erica gets a text on her phone. She doesn't look and she looks at it. Then her eyes get red and her face gets flushed. And I'm, I'm, an, I'm very emotionally aware. And I could tell it was either something, something's going to make her cry. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Erica, are you okay? She goes, yeah, 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 I'm okay. I was like, is that a bad thing or a good thing? Like, I don't know. Like, you're, you look really upset. She's like, no, it was really, really sweet. So what it was, was this girl texting. It was an office manager of my friend that I told to text people and tell them they're gratitude, they're great, that they're great, that he's grateful for them. She wrote to Erica, Hey, listen, I know as an office manager, it's a really lonely place. And I want to tell you that all the things you're doing through the Bulletproof office manager and the mastermind are helping me so much. And you're amazing. And blah, 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 made Erica cry. Mm-hmm. So I text the mastermind. I'm like, Hey, bud, just F, just curious. Did you happen to text? Um, I'll, I'll use a fake name because I don't want to out any of these people. Did you happen to text Jane the other day? He's like, yeah, I just texted her this morning, how much I appreciate her. And I sent, so I'm like, this is the interconnected nature mm-hmm. of it. So my buddy's suffering. I tell him to reach out for people. He starts doing it. He feels great. He reaches out to somebody else who then reaches out to someone very important to me. And that's, right. that's we, 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 when we feel less love, give love. When you feel less appreciated, give appreciation. It's a hack you can do right now. We all can find two or three people we're appreciative of, pour into them. So if you really, if if you're one of those people in a dark, dark space and you really can't figure out what to do, go for a walk, as Jenny and I just said, Mm -hmm. and find two or three people to appreciate and really pour into them. It'll make you feel great. I fully, I fully agree. I think that, you know, really digging into what you appreciate about your life and the people that surround you within your life no one, no one's going to be sad if they get a nice text message like that, you know, like it's so appreciative and it's important to, to pour out, you know, what you need as well. What you give is what you get. So I, I absolutely love that story. Yeah. Isn't that a crazy story? That's good. That's wonderful. And it's, it was, I was going to call it a gratitude train, but it was more like a gratitude circle (laughs) because it it went right back. (laughs) Yeah. Right back into my face. Like literally (laughs) what are the chances that I would be there when she texts and she'd get all emotional. I'd ask her, I was like, are you okay? Is, is, you know, is Mason and her son's Mason and Mason. Okay. Like, are you all right? She's like, no, those are just a very pretty thing. And I was like, wow, that's, I'm like, and then like, you know, egoically saying like, okay, well, I caused that virtue, that virtuous mm-hmm. thing. I, I created that. And that fulfilled you. I'm sure that fulfilled me, of course, not, yeah. not in a way to brag about it, but like, I just shifted someone who's great and let them shine their greatness on somebody else when he was confused. And he's like, why am I great? How am I great? I'm alone. And so I just think that this is, this is the art of fulfillment and the greats have done it in my life. And I continue to pass it forward. And it, I, I think that can help a lot of people. And 
and that's actually what I really love about you too, Jenny. Um, you, you're an inspiring, bright, vibrant person. You're you, what you do is good and you spread goodness for people. And that's why, you know, even though life may sometimes be hard for you, it's always going to be rewarding and fulfilling because of what you do that. and what you stand for. I appreciate that. And, you know, having a, a social media presence, you at some point reflect and you, you ask yourself why, and why am I doing this? And it's not for recognition and it's not for accolades. It's for me has been to try and inspire and be a source of help for other people and to create value for other people. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I've always loved getting to know you and I, I admire how much you inspire people. And so that's, you know, inherently full circle why I asked you to do this podcast. Uh, it was a topic I wanted to talk about and you had the platform and the insight to help inspire and help people. And I knew that we could connect this way. That's awesome. And by the way, about being recognized, you ought to be recognized, you know, be recognized for your service and for what you do. It's not, um, it's not wrong to want significance, but to be significant in service is huge. Huge. I agree. I think that we can use our platforms for good and we can inspire people and, um, you know, we can still be proud of it. Yeah. Make them feel less alone. I mean, it's funny when I, when I've met people before, like, I feel like I know you or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. just, we're, we're, we're the extended friend circle, the extended support group for all those that listen. And that's, uh, we're, we're blessed that we have a platform and we're blessed that we have the, um, the industry that that's receptive to it. So I, I think this was noble work we've done today. I really I, do believe that. I, I think do. something good will come from this. And um, if if it does, if something shifts for you, please leave a comment. We'd love to, Jenny would love to read that. Love. Comment, post, share it, say something. It means a lot to us because sometimes it's lonely for us as well because we're sitting here talking and I'm like, hey, is, is this meaningful for anybody? Like, you know, this takes effort. Right. We want to know that something's actually good coming from it. So, and you can never have too much good. I agree. I agree. I think this has been such a wonderful uh, way to start my Friday morning. I feel my heart fulfilled <laughs> right now. Good. Good. Um, and I appreciate you talking about it. And I'm excited to hear, you know, if people can comment and give their feedback and, and let us know that they hear us and, and that they, you know, what they kind of got from all of it. Yep. You're not alone. Don't suffer. Spread your love. Give it forward. Go for an exercise and draw. I think that's what we can say. <laughs> and by the way, don't hate dentistry. Dentistry is freaking awesome. It could be whatever you want it to be. Even if you're 55 and you've been doing phrenectomies your whole life, you don't have to do them anymore. You do sleep apnea and all these other things. There's not too many professions that allow you to pivot. So don't hate it. You just don't, you haven't seen enough for it. You're not creative enough to see it in a different way. So be patient and, uh, and, and we'll get through it together. I think that was beautifully said. I think this profession can be so beautiful and, um, you know, do the work to find how that profession, how this profession fulfills you and the world is open to you. And that's the beauty of it. And and we're lucky. We truly, truly are. We have a beautiful profession to grow within. Yeah, we surely do. That's awesome. Well, Jenny, as always, an absolute pleasure. This was awesome. I know we ran, uh, we, we got a good amount of time here. Hopefully everybody listens to the end and, um, um, we'll be, oh, little plug, soft plug. Yes. You're coming to the summit. This is I the biggest part. Am. This should have been the beginning. 
oh well you have to listen till the end now for <laughs> Yeah. But yes, I am. I'll be at the summit and I will and be speaking at the summit speaking. this year. This is the first time you're ever speaking at the actual summit. Like just yes. you on a track. That's I so know. awesome. I'm I so am, excited. of course, always honored and humbled uh, to be asked to do so. And beyond excited, I enjoyed being on the panel last year so much sure. and meeting people afterwards that came up and asked questions. And I was just at uh, AARD in Chicago and a dentist came up to me and said, I saw you on the Bulletproof panel. Um, so That's it's awesome. just, yeah, it's just really, really cool. And I'm honored. No, we're, we're honored. Excited. We're honored. We, you know, we need your voice. Your voice is important and you bring a total different perspective. So it's awesome. By the way, your buddies are coming too. I don't know if I told you this, but Ritter and Ramsey are oh, now awesome. speaking at the summit as well. <laughs> Those are fun guys. I know. You know, what's so funny is I found out that Rob Ritter is my cousin. That is wild. Did you know this? <laughs> I think you told me, and then Ritter <laughs> recently told me that you guys are so related. Shout out, to, shout out to Rob, because he calls me cuz now. It's so funny. I love we're it. Like, it was 23 and me. We like did our genetic test, and we found out we're like distant cousins. But That's anyway, they're going to be coming and speaking about the protocol. So the summit's going to be awesome. It's almost like sold out. It's crazy. I'm not we have a lot. We're going to have a lot of people there. It's going to be super fun. And it's Nash it's Vegas, too. So I'm sure you love Nashville. I haven't, I haven't been to Nashville in some time. So I'm so excited. You guys yeah. pick this as the spot. It's going to be such a blast. The summit's always wonderful. I think this is going to be the third one that I'm going to, and wow. it's just, it's fantastic. And I brought a friend with us last year and he was just blown away. So I encourage anyone listening, go look for your tickets before they sell out. You will not be disappointed. That's awesome. Well, anyway, great talking with you. Thanks for being so generous with your time. And thanks to all who listened. Please comment below if it was helpful. Um, we're here for you guys and we, we want to make it valuable. So thanks, Jenny. Have an Thank awesome Friday. Thank you so Friday. much. You too. Talk to you soon.